There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for Lilo. Welcome to Love Me Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Easton Family Podcast. And we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Curtis Rogers. He does terrific work over there at 710 Seattle Sports out there. Obviously, in the city of Seattle doing pre- and post-game work for the Mariners. We're going to be chatting with them about what we're seeing in the American League West. We're also going to be chatting about what we're going to be seeing today between the Mariners and the Marlins. going to be a very good pitching matchup there. And just what we've gotten in baseball here in the first month or so of the season. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. Podcast, and you've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUNIT underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. By that five star review, got in a few questions today. So, let's dive in. So, you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. We wound up getting this one in from Mike at Trip McNeely. 23. He was asking me how many pitches can a reliever throw before being knocked out the next day? So, how many pitches would you deem a guy being able to pull a back-to-back 
This is very situational because you'll have some relievers that they'll be able to bounce back after 20 pitches one day, and then you've got other guys that they throw five pitches the previous day. They're not going to be able to come back the next day, but typically my rule of thumb is right around the 15 range for sure knocks them out. Anywhere between 10 and 14 is a little bit more of a roll of the dice, and then nine or less. Typically, someone should be able to come back from that. Once again, very situational. And if the guy wound up throwing two days in a row, those eight or nine pitches, then they are unlikely to be able to come back. But it is very much a case in which we want to go reliever by reliever there. But that's typically the way that I wind up maneuvering there. I had someone ask if I wind up ever taking a look at laying approximately one run or getting a run rather than doing laying a run and F or one and F on the run line. And I just do not because for one, you'll notice it out here in Las Vegas. You can only lay the run and F or get a run and F. You don't necessarily have one run run lines at pretty much any of these books. And for that, you would need to bust out the big giant calculator and be like, all right, for my one unit, I need to put like 62% of it on the run line, 38% of it on the money line. It's a big convoluted situation. And plus, typically, I just wind up being in the boat of just going with one or the other, not necessarily complicating things. And it is a case where you could wind up pretty much having part of it wind up cashing and part of it wind up not cashing as well because if it lands approximately one, then you wind up getting in a big, giant, just strange situation there as well. So it is a case in which I do wind up just playing it very situationally and I wind up going all on the run line or all on the money line just because trying to bust out that calculator, it's not necessarily a whole heck of a lot of fun. And then also was asked with regards to games that they don't wind up going a full nine innings, why is it that the money line is the only thing that winds up getting scored? And that's because losing team, they do wind up getting 27 outs. I know that many of you guys are unhappy when we do wind up seeing like overs wind up getting there in like seven innings like we wind up seeing it in the Yankees versus the Royals game. It was 12 to two, but this is pretty standard across all sports. Like you'll notice in college basketball, we'll see it like two, three times a year where Floor conditions winds up causing a game to be called after, say, 33 minutes. Team might be up 30 points. A spread could be like four, but yet it's still going to be a refund. It's pretty standard when you don't wind up having a full game that it is going to be refunded. And with baseball, it just so happens that you wind up having more of those. It does really sink when you wind up having like player props over or overs with regards to totals, everything like that. But it is a case in which it is fairly standard. Why it is fairly standard? That I don't have an answer for you because I am not the one that makes the rules here, but it is a case in which if you don't wind up having the losing team get 27 outs, and obviously it's for full game first fives. As long as you wind up having the first five innings played, you're good there, but it is what it is. I wish I could give a little bit of a better answer there, but honestly, I really don't have too much, but what I do have is a lot of results that want to coming in in the MLB on Saturday, including the biggest underdog of the year wind up cashing. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We'll hit upon it at the end of this segment, but the unders just keep rolling in in baseball. 11 unders out of 15 games on Saturday. So boy, was that very prevalent. And the last under wound up involving a money line cash for the Detroit Tigers, who closed in a lot of places, $3, as high as plus three fifteen at circa five to one. They wind up being able to get the job done. Bo Brisky winds up allowing a leadoff homer to Mookie Betts. 
That's the only run that the Dodgers would get on the board as Brisky. Not a bad start here. It goes five innings, gives up that solo run, and then you wind up having Jacob Barnes give you a scoreless inning. Michael Fulmer, Joey Menes, goodbye for two scoreless, and Gregory Soto is able to close it out as the Detroit Tigers were coming in on a pretty nasty slide, by the way. They don't wind up getting any homers, but they go 3 of 11 with Ben in scoring position. Clayton Kershaw, by the way, was able to get seven strikeouts. I believe that he wound up reaching a milestone in the process, so kudos to him. I think that he became the Dodgers' all-time strikeout leader, but that said, Mookie Betts is a home run. All that the Dodgers were able to do, and the Dodgers, they were 7-1 at home coming into this game as Kershaw gives up the one run over the course of six innings. Evan Phillips gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Bursado Griderall gives you an out of the bullpen. Reyes Monanta gives up a run in an inning, and Craig Kimbrell able to give you a scoreless inning, but underdog was able to cash share. Saw a little bit of a smaller underdog cashing between the Phillies and the Mets. 4-1. to one. Phillies are able to get it done as Kyle Schwarber wound up hitting a ball to the moon off of Adebonavino for his fifth home run the season. And then from there, you did wind up having Reese Hoskins get his second home run season off of Sean Reed Foley as Taiwan Walker made his first start since coming off the injured list. Five scoreless innings. He did a solid job. Trevor May was able to give you a scoreless inning and Jason Shreve one and a third inning scoreless, but John Reed Foley goes up that home run to Hoskins. One run, give it up in an inning and Adam Adovino. Three runs, give it up in two-thirds of an inning and for the Mets, they strand third. Teen man on base as Kyle Gibson gives up one under and run over the course of four and a third innings, but gave up five walks. Jose Alvarado winds up giving you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless innings out of Jersich Familia along James Norwood. And then you wound up having Corey Knable and Sir Anthony Dominguez combined for two scoreless innings. So Mets unable to take advantage of opportunities. The Cincinnati Reds have now lost 17 out of their last 18 games as they fall to the Rockies by a count of four to three. Good news is, this is the first time that they wound up losing by approximately one run since I believe it was the first week of the season, the 9th of April, where they wound up losing by one run to the Atlanta Braves. So their third run line cover in like this entire streak, but... With that said, for the Reds, he did wind up having a halfway decent start out of Connor Overton. Gives up one run over the course of five and a third innings. Art Warren lights his game on fire, giving up three runs in a third of an inning. Lucas Sims and Dottie Moretta able to get the final seven outs. And for the Reds, they did wind up getting a pair of home runs as Taylor Naquin, second home run of the season, and Aramis Garcia is able to get his first as for the Colorado Rockies. Chad Cool, pretty cool in this one. He does go into giving up those pair of homers, but three runs given up in seven and a third innings. Tyler Kinley, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Daniel Bard able to get his sixth save of the season. So the Rockies play another under, and they're able to get it done. You wind up seeing the Orioles and the Red Sox go to extras, and the Orioles get it done by a kind of 2-1. to one. They're still 7-14, so it's been a rough year for them, but for the Red Sox, just 1-8 of eight with men in scoring position. Nathan Eovaldi deserved better. 8 strikeouts, 7 scoreless innings. Matt Barnes does wind up giving up a run out of the bullpen. Ryan Brazier, a scoreless inning, and Eda Kazusada-Mora gives up the unearned run in the 10th inning that costs him, and for the Baltimore Orioles, Spencer Watkins gives up one run over the course of four and two-thirds innings, but then Bullpen went to work, and this has been an Orioles bullpen that has been a little bit resurgent. You wound up having Dylan Tate, CNL Perez, Joey Kriebel. I'll get two outs out of the bullpen, a scoreless inning out of Mr. Brian Baker, and out, out of the bullpen out of Felix Batista, and then you wind up having Ore Lopez, a just complete failure of a starter. Come in, two scoreless innings. He's really been able to find his niche out there in the bullpen. The American League East did not wind up having a lot of scoring on Saturday, by the way, as the Yankees, they take down the Royals by a count of 3-0. to zero. Second straight good start for Garrett Cole. He does allow five hits in six innings, but no runs on the board. And then Miguel Castro, Clay Holmes, and Roald Chapman. I'll be give you a scoreless inning for the Yankees. They do wind up having 10 men left on base and 
for Carlos Hernandez, which is not necessarily a long start. He's actually got an ERA more than full point higher at home than on the road the last two seasons. Three runs, two of which were earned, given up over the course of four innings. To the credit of the Royals bullpen, Joel Payampas, two scoreless innings, and you wind up getting three scoreless out of Ronald Bellanos. But for the Royals, it's been rough for them on offense. 11 men stranded on base, and that was a theme on Saturday. The Texas Rangers, they wind up taking down the Atlanta Braves by a count of 3-1. to one. For the Braves, not as many men left on base. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is back in the fold, gets his first RBI of the season, but Bryce Elder walks, wound up costing him in this one. Three walks given up in four and a third innings, which allowed three total runs. And for the Rangers, it was Corey Seager that wound up getting a home run off of Elder. Fourth of the season, and Dane Dunning, someone who's got a ERA more than two and a half points lower at home than on the road since joining the Texas Rangers. One run given up in seven and two-thirds innings. Dennis Santana gives you an out of the bullpen, and then Joe Barlow is able to pitch a scoreless ninth for a Rangers team that has one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues, and going to be interesting to see if Spencer Strider becomes a starter at some point. He's been used for more than a three-inning stint now, three times this year, three and two-thirds innings scoreless out of the bullpen, so he was able to do a rock-solid job in relief. The poopy Pittsburgh Pirates join the Bay of Dogs as we wind up having quite a few underdogs wind up cashing on Saturday 7-6. They take down the Slime Diego Padres in 10 innings. You do wind up having Eric Cosmer get his third home run season off of JT Brubaker, and then David Benar winds up giving up, up to Manny Machado for his fourth of the season for Brubaker. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, and Benar gives up that solo home run over the course of two outside the bullpen. William Crow does wind up giving up a run while getting four outside the bullpen, and Dylan Peters, a scoreless inning. Chris Strain wind up pitching the ninth and 10th inning. Did wind up allow the Arner and run that starts in the 10th inning to score, but it was Michael Chavis who did a good job of being able to bail out the Pittsburgh Pirates in this one. He winds up getting a home run in the 8th inning, his third of the season, and then from there, you did wind up having him give a grand total of 3 RBI to be able to lift the team to victory for the San Diego Padres. Shamanea needs to do a little bit better, in my opinion. 3 runs given up over the course of 6 and 2 thirds innings, and then that home run was given up by Steven Wilson, giving up 2 runs over the course of 1 and a third innings, and then you wind up having Mr. Luis Garcia give up 2 unearned runs in an inning Plus, as it was hurt by an Eric Cosmer fielding error, and that's what allowed the game-winning run to actually wind up scoring, as there was also a man that starts on second, so big giant calamity there. My DK Nation pick was the Seattle Mariners, and nothing doing for them on offense. Miami Marlins get done by kind of 3-1. to one. They've won now seven straight games. They're the only team in the MLB that has never gotten a double-digit win streak, by the way. And for Robbie Ray, gives up three runs over the course of five innings, punched out eight, but also walked four. Bullpen was able to do their job. Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson, Diego Casillo, they combined for three scoreless innings, but the only man that could get a run up on the board, that would be Mr. Moore. And still Moore gets a home run his first of the season off of Asus Lizardo, which if you're looking at resurgent gentlemen, how about Asus Lizardo? He's now got a sub-three ERA this season. He winds up coming in for six innings, gives up that solo run, five punch outs in total, and then Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender both give you a scoreless inning along with Cole Solzer as the Miami Marlins. Despite being a little bit short-handed, they were without Jazz Chislam along with... AC Sanchez in the starting lineup with Sanchez making a pitch hitting appearance. We're able to get it done there. The Minnesota Twins, they joined that big list of underdogs. They were finding themselves in a lot of places right around a plus 170. They get it done against the Tampa Bay race by kind of 9 to 1. For the race, you wind up having Shane McClanahan take the L. He gets 11 strikeouts in five innings, but also gives up three runs in total, including two home runs. Going deep, Max Kepler. That would actually be off of Javi Guerra for his fifth home run season. And Kyle Garlick winds up getting the two home runs off of McClanahan. 
his second and third home runs of the season for Aguera. Gives up four runs in two-thirds of an inning, and things wound up getting ugly towards the back half of this game. J.P. Fireisen scored the setting, and then you do wind up having Brooks Raley along with Ryan Thompson both give you an out of the bullpen. Matt Weisler, he winds up giving up two unearned runs as you did wind up having Taylor Walls commit his fourth error of the season. That's an issue. He did wind up getting his first home run of the season off of Chris Archer, which would be the only run in the game. Former Ray in Archer goes four innings, winds up giving up that solo run, but then from there, Cody Sashek along with Josh Taylor, Caleb Theobar, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Johan Duran, fresh off the injured list, two scoreless innings for the Minnesota Twins, so they get it done after the race had won four out of their last five games. For the Oakland A's, they have now scored two runs or fewer in eight out of their last 11 games. Amazingly, they're five and six in this stretch, but the Guardians get them on Saturday, three to one the final. For the Guardians, they go 3 of 9 with men in scoring position as Shane Bieber, he had a fever for being able to get out. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings as that run was a Sheldon Noisy home run. Second home run of the season, so he got noisy there, but Nick Sandlin, Emmanuel Classe. Pitch scoreless, 8th and ninth innings, and then for the Oakland A's, he did wind up having Cole Irvin give a good start. Gives up one run over the course of six innings, but then from there, Danny Jimenez winds up giving up two unearned runs in the ninth inning, hurt by a fielding error that was not necessarily so great by Nick Allen his third of the season. He did wind up having a combined two scoreless innings out of Zach Jackson along with Kirby Snead as well. So the Guardians, after being on a seven-game losing streak, they have now won back-to-back games. Yohan Adon continues to be a relatively solid fade for the Washington Nationals as his Nets wind up losing to the San Francisco Giants by a count of 9-3 for Adon. He has now given up at least four runs in three out of his four starts this season. Given up four runs over the course of four innings. He did wind up having Arasimo Ramirez give up a home run as he winds up giving up two runs while getting just one out going deep off of him. You wind up having Mr. Vossler get his second home run season. Jason Vossler for the rest of the Nationals bullpen. Not necessarily so great as he did wind up having a scoreless inning out of Francisco Perez, but Andres Machado gives up an unearned run over the course of one and a third innings as you wind up having a trio of errors by the Washington Nationals in this game. Kyle Finnegan gives up two runs, one of which was earned in two outs as one of those was unearned as well, and Josh Rogers gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and for Logan Webb, the team still has not lost a game that he's pitched in in the regular season at home since 2020. I believe that that's now 18 straight games for him. He did wind up giving up 11 hits in six innings and three runs, so the team had to evade a lot of danger there, but you did wind up having Jose Alvarez, John Breba, and Mauricio Lavero. I'll give you a scoreless inning as the Nationals do wind up stranding six men on base in this one. For the Angels, they had won six straight games, but they wind up falling to the Chicago White Sox by kind of 4-0 in a game in which did involve a rather lengthy rain delay after the rain delay. Jaime Barilla winds up pitching three scoreless innings out of the bullpen to be able to save that Angels bullpen. Jose Suarez gives up four runs over the course of four innings, including two home runs going deep for the White Sox. Sam Anderson, third home run season, and Luis Robert, third home run season as Andrew Wants also gives you a scoreless inning. And for the Chicago White Sox, they now have scored four runs or fewer in 14 out of their last 15 games, but the pitching was actually solid as Vince Velasquez goes five and two-thirds inning scoreless. You do wind up getting it out of the bullpen out of Tanner Bakes, but then from there, Aaron Bomber, Kendall Graveman, Lee Maddox. I'll give you a scoreless setting for the White Sox to be able to sample skid in which I believe that they had lost six out of their last seven. So that was not necessarily great for them. This was not great for the Chicago Cubs as the Milwaukee Brewers just completely hammered them by a kind of nine to one. Justin Seal entering into this game with a fielding independent career of a five and an ERA of a four and regression caught up to him. Four runs, two of which were earned, give it up over the course of three innings as you did wind up having Lux St. John come into this game late. He winds up pitching two innings. Gives up three runs, including two jacks. Going deep for the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Christian Yelich, third home run season. Then you wound up having Hunter Renfro get his fifth home run season. And Michael Rucker wound up giving one up as well as Rucker. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of two innings. Being able to get that bomb was Mr. Rowdy Tellez for his fourth home run season. And then for the Chicago Cubs, Scotty Frost winds up giving you a scoreless inning. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, he also did wind up having Eric Lauer be absolutely terrific in this one. Just wind up giving up a solo home run over the course of his seven innings, but also got 11 punch-outs as Young Gomes gets his first home run as a Chicago Cub. From there, Trevor Gott and Jake Cousins come in for cleanup with scoreless 8th and ninth innings. You did wind up having a lot of scoreless innings between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks have now won 4 out of their last 5, 2-0. They wind up taking down the St. Louis Cardinals, and for Miller, Merrill Kelly, team has now won 3 out of his last 4 starts as... He goes seven scoreless, giving up two hits in the process, no walks. Noe Ramirez, Ian Kennedy, they come in for scoreless eighth and ninth innings. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, powerful solo home runs get it done. Nick Ahmed, second home run season off of Miles Michaelis and Mr. Michaelis. Winds up giving one up to Mr. Quito Marte of the Marte Parte, his first of the season as Michaelis gives up two solo home runs in the eighth inning, and that's all he gave up in seven and a third. So he did a solid job. Genesis Cabrera, a pair of outside the bullpen. Jake Woodford is able to give you a scoreless inning, and that's it. A streak for the St. Louis Cardinals in which you had seen the overhead in seven out of their last eight games. So that was relatively remarkable. And then you did wind up seeing the Houston Astros. And the Toronto Blue Jays generate very little offense as the Blue Jays wind up getting a 2-1 to victory for the Astros. I mean, Luis Garcia pitched relatively solid. He did wind up giving up a pair of solo home runs going deep. George Springer twice off of him. Fifth and sixth home runs of the season, but that was it. Over the course of six innings, he wound up having scoreless innings out of Ryan Stanek along Seth Martinez in the bullpen, but Astros go 0 of 8 with men in scoring position. 11 men stranded as for the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Barrios gives up one run over the course of five and two-thirds innings. That run was a solo home run. As Jordan Alvarez, able to get a sixth home run season, but you did wind up seeing Adam Simber give you a scoreless inning, Jordan Romano a scoreless inning, and Tim Maza was able to get one and a third innings scoreless as well. So if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now, as I mentioned, we wind up having 11 unders wind up coming through on Saturday. So that was absolutely wild. And underdogs, they wind up having themselves a relatively decent day as well. They wind up going 7-8. and eight, And if you wind up taking that Detroit Tigers money line, you wind up being profitable if you just wind up taking all the underdogs. And if you take a look at Major League Baseball for the season, favorites are inning at right around 61.7%. 189-118. and But if you're taking a look at them on the run line, you've noticed that they have only been able to cover the run line 143 times. So in 46 instances in which a favorite winds up winning straight up, they've only done so by one run, not being able to cover the run line. And if you're taking a look at unders for the season, well, they just continue to hit like wildfire. 172 unders, 118 overs. That is 59.3% to the under. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we wound up seeing on Saturday. Coming up next, we are going to be chatting with one of our good friends of this show. Curtis Rogers does a great job with 710 Seattle Sports. We're going to be talking about the Mariners. going to be talking about the American League West. And what we've all been seeing in baseball in general this first month of the season. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Vincent Family Podcast. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is always a pleasure to get Curtis Rogers on the show. He does an absolutely amazing job over there with 710 Seattle Sports. He does pre- and post-game work for the Seattle Mariners. And on top of that, this is a man that holds it down with a wide variety of things when it comes to the NFL season, does some scoreboard work when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks, which... No shortage of topics to talk about right now in the city of Seattle with everything that we've been seeing in recent weeks because 
it really is becoming the epicenter of so much that we've got with regards to the sports world. And Curtis, he does a little bit of everything with the Seattle Sports Saints, Seattle Sports Saturday podcast, does a lot with regards to the afternoon shows over there with 710 Seattle Sports as well. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at a kid from Kent all together. And that's also on Instagram as well. And Curtis, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, really appreciate it. The intro always gets longer and longer every week. Maybe I should maybe take a breath or two, but always glad to be busy. And like you said, every single day, it seems like something new is going on here in the Northwest in regards to the sports team. But the Mariners have been very generous with the storylines to start the year out here in AL West country. We've been enjoying every bit of those storylines to start this 20. 22 season. Hey, the intro getting longer and longer means that you just continue to work harder and longer. And we do appreciate that. I'm sure that at some point you might need to get a little bit of sleep, probably much like myself, but you know what? We'll sleep when we're dead. But with that said, a man that is also working very, very hard, that'd be the man that is going to be hitting the hill on Sunday. And that'd be Logan Gilbert, a 040 ERA thus far this season has really been terrific for a Mariners team that in general, you take a look at the pitching, and it's been terrific. Robbie Ray wanted King to start on Saturday. We've seen Matt Brash come out in his first couple starts. A lot of promise there. Obviously, he's going to need a little bit of fine-tuning, but I take a look at what you're able to get out of the Seattle Mariners. Obviously, the Marco Gonzalez injury, not necessarily too terrific, but by and large, from bullpen to the regular rotation itself, this seems like a team that they're going to be able to hang in a lot of games and try to duplicate what they wanted doing last season because they do have so many good arms when it comes to both lending length and in regards to that bullpen. This is going to be a very competitive AL West race this year. I think it's going to be a three-team march. It's going to be the Mariners, it's going to be the Angels, and it's going to be the Astros. And With the Mariners, that pitching rotation, the Mariners are going to go as far as that pitching carries them. And, and mentioning Logan Gilbert, Sunday starter, that's going to be a heck of a matchup, by the way. Logan Gilbert against Sandy Alcantara. If you have MLB TV, I suggest flipping over to that Marlins-Mariners game if you want to watch some good pitching because Logan Gilbert has been unbelievable to start this season, only allowing one earned run over four starts. The only other pitcher to do that in recent memory was Corbin Burns last year with the Brewers, and he went went on to win a Cy Young Award in the National League. So Gilbert, I mean, what has made him so effective this season is improved secondary pitches. His curveball velocity has gone up about six miles an hour. It was 74 miles an hour a year ago. It's up near 80, and he's also throwing it more, throwing it more effectively. That has really worked in his favor and we're seeing the results pay off where when you add a Cy Young award winner to a rotation you would assume that that guy takes the throne as the ace of that staff you would think that Robbie Ray that addition with the Mariners would make him the number one guy in Seattle I think Ray still definitely has that within himself but right now Logan Gilbert is the guy that the Mariners when the ball is in his hands it almost feels like a guaranteed win every time he takes the hill and so far that has been the case this season and I mean he's only 25 years old and and seeing him in year two take this step it's got a lot of Seattle fans just foaming at the mouth right now what his potential can be And, and you mentioned Matt Brash too we've had varied results with him here in the Northwest, his first start against the White Sox, as we know, was very sparkling. All those strikeouts he racked up against that White Sox lineup. Since then, though, he's had a tougher go of it. He had a shutout through five innings against the Astros, but walked, I think it was six guys. And then his next start out against the Royals didn't go super hot. And then we saw on Friday night against the Marlins, 
they were able to get to him. I think it's a case of opponents laying off of his stuff that goes out of the zone. His slider is devastating, but teams aren't falling for it the way the White Sox did back in their first homestand of the season. So right now with Matt Brash, it's going to be more of a challenge for him to stay in the zone and to beat opponents with that slider rather than beating them outside of the zone. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if Matt Brash is able to make those adjustments because as the book gets out on you more and more, you do have to wind up making a couple tinkers with regards to what you are doing. As we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me on the podcast. What else I think is very big for the Seattle Mariners is, as we know, last year this was a team that they were at the bottom of the American League with regards to batting average, and this year the hitting has been much better, and now for the series against the Miami Marlins, they wind up getting back really one of the most underrated bats in all of baseball. Mitch Hanniger, a guy that wound up having three home runs in his first eight or so games of the season, dealt with a random little bit of an injury. I think that he wound up dealing with a little bit of COVID as well, but I take a look at him. I think that he could really be a difference maker for this team. A few other guys as well, because he obviously wound up bringing it on Frazier. He's going to be able to get on base for the team. He's going to be able to do a solid job as well. But you take a look at Torrance out there at the catcher spot, someone who really went under the radar last season. These two guys, they've been a little bit banged up throughout the season, Hanniger and Torrance. And I think getting those two out there is going to allow Seattle to be able to win on a night in which maybe the starter winds giving up more like three or four runs where they really couldn't do that as much last season. In Hanniger's absence, when he was on the COVID IL, the Mariners' offense was incredible. And that was due in large part to Ty France looking like, you know, Edgar Martinez. I mean, he was just absurd in that Kansas City Royals series. Also against the Texas Rangers, he looked incredible too. The Mariners saw their offense jumpstart in a big way at home in their first homestand. Road numbers, though, have been a little more varying. I do expect that to pick up a little bit. But getting back to what Luis Torrens can bring to this lineup, of all their catchers, he is the bat that I trust the most. They sent Cal Raleigh down to AAA Tacoma a few days ago, and they still have Tom Murphy up at the Major League level. And Murphy is actually off to a really good start this season in limited duty. He's got his batting average up over 400, but I believe he's only appeared in about seven games to this point in the season. Torrens on Friday night had a three-run double. You know, he just has that kind of pop in his bat. He's really good going to the opposite field. Last year, prior to being sent down in the month of May, he had no home runs, and then they called him up, I believe, at the end of the month of May of 2021, and the rest of the season, he had 14 home runs, and the bat, I think, has always been there, especially in the minor leagues. People have known that he can hit. It's just getting that glove down at the catcher spot, and I mean, the Mariners have given him some at-bats at DH as well, especially when they had three catchers on their roster at the start of the season. Terenza's bat is one that I think, like you said, is very under rated throughout Major League Baseball. And then Mitch Haniger, I mean, when Kyle Seager retired this past offseason, there was a bit of a leadership void in the Mariners clubhouse. J.P. Crawford kind of assumed part of that role, and I think Mitch did too. He wrote an incredible article in the Players' Tribune around November or December after the season was over and you know challenged the Mariners' front office to go out and make some moves in that article. And I thought it was very interesting seeing a player be that direct in such a public platform with his team's front office. And, yeah, I mean, obviously the Mariners responded, signing Robbie Ray, making the trade for A. Eugenio Suarez, another guy who has played very well to start the season, and Jesse Winger, who they're really hoping his bat starts coming around here because they have a lot of uh, at-bats waiting for him this season, or at least a lot of at-bats dedicated to him. But, yeah, Terence and Hanniger, those bats, if they get them going consistently, this Mariners offense, I think, goes from potentially good 
to you can sharpie them in as one of the best offenses in the American League. Yep, and it's going to be so interesting to see what we wind up getting in that division as well because you've got quite a few good offenses. Took a little bit for the Astros to get going, but I feel like putting up double figures against the Blue Jays on Friday is exactly what they needed, and then they take on a Texas Rangers team that, boy, it's not going to be going well for them (laughs) this season, but it is also going relatively well for the LA Angels, and the big question I had for them coming into the season is, what were they going to get out of the guys not named Mike Trout and not named Shohei Otani? Pitching is still a little bit of a work in progress, but guys like Taylor Ward have really been able to step up. Brandon Marsh, as we record this, hitting above a 300. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but I like what I'm seeing out of the Angels. Once again, I think they need a little bit more pitching, but the ancillary pieces in that lineup have stepped up better than I was expecting to this point of the season. They've actually been very impressive to start this season. Patrick Sandoval, uh, a guy in their starting rotation, 15 innings pitched this season, no earned runs. That is an incredible start. You couldn't ask for a better start. Noah Syndergaard has looked like his old self. That pitching rotation, if they can keep those guys producing the way they have, I think the Angels are going to be a very tough out in the American League West. I had a chance to speak with John Morosi, insider for MLB Network, this last week. And he said in the AL West, I think if a team is going to knock off the Astros, he tended to think that the Angels may have had a better shot than the Mariners this season simply because of how good their pitching staff has outperformed expectations to this point. Now, we're not even 20 games into this season, or I think we're about to hit the 20-game mark for a lot of teams. So, I mean, we still have almost an entire season to go. But the Angels, you know, Joe Madden being their manager, he is not afraid to press the button that may not be the most popular at the time, but may get the best results. I mean, case in point, him walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded a few weeks ago, played a run. Who saw that coming? But the Angels were able to withstand that and win the game that night. But I look at the Angels right now. Anthony Rendon is healthy, finally. It's his third season in L.A., and he has yet to put together a full season and yet to stay healthy, but he's healthy. Mike Trout is healthy. As we know, the last two seasons we've been robbed of a lot of Mike Trout simply because of injuries and then the 2020 COVID season. We didn't get a full season's worth of games for him. So, I mean, they just have a lineup that is looking really good. Jared Walsh has played well. Brandon Marsh is playing well. I mean, you've got more depth right now with this Angels ball club than we have seen, I would say, maybe in the last decade. Yeah, it's been really interesting to take a look at that. It's been insane to see what we've been able to get there. And what else has been really insane as well is the Angels, who are currently in a series against the White Sox entering the weekend, 7-12 and 12 for them. So, boy, they are being able to play them at just the right time, as we do have Curtis Rogers joining me on the podcast. And I just take a look at what we're getting across baseball as well. And I do think that when rosters wind up going back down to 26 players, that it's going to cause for a little bit of shift as well, because we've noticed that there have been a lot of teams that they have been really not necessarily letting their starters go as deep. They've been utilizing these deep bullpens this year. Unique to it is the fact that you wind up having that condensed spring training. And I do think that there are a lot of teams that they have been beneficiaries of it. And that is a little bit of a concern that I do have with a team like the LA angels who they did wind up having a few guys be able to come out, give some nice starts, but no Thor Syndergaard getting scratched on Friday. That winds up putting that bullpen buying the eight ball a little bit. And 
it seems in general that they've been maybe holding back the reins on their starters a little bit. I do have some concerns with them in the coming days as well as they try to make that adjustment. I think that's a very great point. And another team that comes to mind where their bullpen has been working overtime is the Tampa Bay Rays. And look, if you don't want to throw your starters a normal allotment of pitches or a normal allotment of innings at this point in the season because of the shortened spring training, that's fair. That's fine. But those innings will have to be made up somewhere, and somebody is going to have to you know, pitch beyond what's expected of them. The Mariners just got done playing a, a series against the Rays on Thursday of this week. Two of the three games were bullpen days by the Rays, and we saw them last Saturday against the Red Sox, a bullpen day. We almost threw a no-hitter on a bullpen day. They had a no-hitter up until the 10th inning before Bobby Dahlbeck hit an RBI triple to played a run for Boston, Tampa Bay ended up winning that game. But, I mean, if you're going to throw a bullpen day three, four, five times a week, that is going to be a huge ask of those guys in your bullpen who are only used to throwing maybe one inning, maybe two innings at the most. Now you're asking guys to be available four or five nights a week. That's a lot to ask of those guys, and I wonder if we're going to see maybe some of those guys get more injuries than we've seen in the past simply because more is being asked of them yeah i agree with you there with the tampa bay race been interesting to take a look at this scene because luis patino wound up getting one out before going on the 60 day injured list which that's honestly so great they did wind up getting six innings out of Corey kluber a couple days ago so that is very much of help for them and james clannan as we would do a solid job as well, but how they're going to be able to maneuver. It's going to be interesting. And when it comes to teams that have both been good slash bad to begin the season, I think that's certainly to the good. We just wanted to mentioning it with the LA Angels, as we do have Curtis Rogers joining me on the podcast. To the bad, I would consider the Tampa Bay Rays. Their start has been a little bit lackluster. I was expecting maybe a little bit more out of them. Is there another team or two that you take a look at them through just under a month through the season, and you've either been very impressed or a little bit sour on them to begin the season? Well, you mentioned them briefly a little bit ago, the Chicago White Sox. I Ooh. wonder if Tony La Russa is going to be able to survive the season. Now, I know Jerry Reinsdorf, the White Sox owner, loves himself some Tony La Russa, and he regretted firing La Russa all those years ago to the point where he made it to where La Russa was hired before last season. I don't think this White Sox team, as currently constructed, is going to be able to hang in that American League Central, which is wild to think because this White Sox roster is so talented. They've got talent all over the place in their rotation, in their bullpen. They've got tons of power in their lineup. They were a playoff team a year ago and thought that they were building towards something special because last year was really their first season where they kind of realized all the potential that they had been building towards when they had the number one farm system in baseball and they were promoting guys like Jimenez and Luis Robert and, and all those talented names. But right now, they are really struggling, and I wonder if the White Sox front office is going to have the patience to see this through, or if not, they're going to you know, make a move here. Another team that is just so disappointing right now would be the Washington Nationals, just two years removed from winning a World Series. They have gone from... Patrick Corbin has uh, lost. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which is wild, because in that 2019 postseason, he was huge for the Nationals. And he picked up Miles Brower on his fastball, and now he's worse. (laughs) I've never seen it. It it makes no sense at all, Greg. It really does. I wonder if it's going to ruin their opportunity to keep Juan Soto in in Washington. I know he turned down, uh, I believe it was like a $390 million extension 
with the team a few weeks ago, if you, or it may have been prior to the lockout. I just look at the Nationals right now, how they went from the highest of highs, winning the World Series in the way that they did in the 2019 season. And, and ever since then, I mean, you lose Max Scherzer. Steven Strasburg has not been healthy in, in a few seasons now, and after he signed that huge contract. They don't have Trey Turner anymore, who was one of the most exciting, or who still is one of the most exciting players in baseball, and, and a huge reason why Nationals fans showed up to the ballpark. I mean, they went from such a draw to now, it's like, why even bother with this team? It, to me, it is just so inexplicable how they went from, you know, having a really good young team back then to now not even competing in the National League East. Their closer for his career is a 572 ERA and Tanner rating with a 739 <laughs> ERA last season. So that tells you exactly where the Washington Nationals are at. And I tell you right now, the man that joined me on this podcast He's got much better than a 70 RA because Curtis Rogers <laughs> does an absolutely amazing job over there with 710 ESPN. He's doing nothing but getting swings and misses from the competition. He's posting up a whole bunch of zeros, unlike our good friend Dan Araney. And Curtis, I know you do a great job with a pair of podcasts. We are on the Seattle Sports Night, Seattle Sports Saturday podcast, pre and post game work for the Mariners. You do it all, five tool players. So let the good people at home. No, they're able to follow you on social media, just everything that you got going on in general. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at a kid from Kent, and you can also download those podcasts wherever it is you get your podcasts. And then also adding to the podcast repertoire this regular season, extra innings will be available about once a week where it's my look sort of at the Mariners week that was and looking ahead to opponents on their schedule. Uh, a lot of fun conversations had Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times on this last week, talking Rays baseball with him. going to have an episode, I believe, next week, so be on the lookout for that wherever it is you get your podcast to. And, and also, always stopping by with Greg. Greg, always a pleasure to be on with you. It is always a pleasure to get our good friend Curtis Rogers on. Does a great job holding it down in the Pacific Northwest doing pre- and post-game work for the Seattle Mariners. Joins me on this podcast a lot and always brings the goods, just like he did today. So, big thanks, Curtis, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLP Saturday as we touch them all. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Curtis Rogers on. He does a great job doing pre- and post-game work over there with 710 Seattle Sports, holding it down with the Mariners, doing all their work during the season. And on top of that, man is at the pulse of everything that we wind up seeing in that great state of Washington. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there as 
We do begin with this first Ashley game as we wind up going 951-952 on the betting board. You've got the Slam Diego Padres, and they're going to be in the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Thunderkeller is going to be going for the Buckos, and Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the Pods. Padres, anywhere between minus 185 and minus 195. Favorites, meanwhile, if you take a look at the Buckos, it's anywhere between plus 160 and plus 175. 7.5 is your total. Over and under are both at minus 110. I do think that the Padres should be a relatively FD favorite here. I would need at least a plus 178 to be able to take a shot here on the Pirates. And if you're looking at the run line, currently finding it at a minus 110, and I think that that's a relatively fair price. Until we wind up getting to minus 115, I do wind up seeing value on this. I set it at a minus 114, so at minus 110, I'm going to be willing to lay that run and half because with the Padres, this is a relatively high-powered offense, and going up against a guy, Mitch Keller, that he does not have a lot of command with the ball. Coming into the season, a career four walks per nine innings, and this season already has seven walks and 17 and two-thirds innings, giving up three home runs and a 6.62 ERA in the process. Meanwhile, got a guy in Joe Musgrove that has been relatively rock-solid here for the Padres this season. Four starts, 3-0 record, has given up two home runs and 25 innings and just two walks, so the command has been there, and you even just go back to what you were able to get in 2021. This was someone for the Padres that was able to have some relatively home and road splits in his first season with the team. 344 ERA on the road, giving up 12 home runs and 89 innings. His strikeouts per nine rate overall last season was right around 10-ish, so rock solid there. And for the Padres, this is one of the better bullpens that you are going to find out there in the big leagues. You're able to get some very solid innings out of someone like a Tyler Rogers being able to close it out. Pedro Avila and Abel Krismet. Both of these guys are able to give you some relatively solid production. You've been dealing with a few injuries for the scene. Pierce Johnson, he's been dealing with a little bit of an ailment, but still, you've got someone like a Ray Kerr that's able to come in and do a solid job. And for the Pirates, really their strength has been the bullpen. I believe that every one of their wins has come out of the bullpen, at the very least, entering into Saturday. David Benar has been solid. Chris Strain has been as well. Now, Anthony Banda currently on the injured list, so you might need to look to Will Crow if you need to wind up getting a little bit of longer production, because Mitch Keller, he has not necessarily been able to give you a lot of length. He's went to 17 to two-thirds innings across his four starts, failing to get past four and two-thirds in three out of the four, so as an issue, and he's given up at least four runs in three out of his four starts, and you take a look at both lineups for the Padres. Got Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado, both hitting above a 350. These guys have been very solid this season. Drixon Profar, not necessarily doing a greatest job with the guys batting average, hitting right around 200 going into Saturday, but five home runs thus far this season. Awesome Kim, he's been able to come on as well, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, do have a couple guys getting on base. Daniel Vogelback, Brian Hayes are both hitting above a three. Michael Chavis, along Diego Castillo, they're hitting between a 260 to 270, but Yoshi Satsugo, Brian Reynolds, you're able to throw in there, Roberto Perez, Josh Van Meter, Jake Marizic, all these veterans, they've not been able to come to the forefront. They're hitting below the middle line of 200, so I do think that's going to be a little bit of an issue here for the Buccos. I do think that Musgrove going to be able to hold it down now. It is a battle against his former team, so got to feel like there might be a little bit of familiarity here with the Pirates, so as a result, I did wind up saying my total at a 7.7. I'm going to be looking at the 7.5 over, but that said, I do think that the Padres going to be able to get to Keller, going to be able to put up some runs, so I'm willing to lay the minus 110 run line with the Padres to go along with that over. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Milwaukee Brewers playing on the Chicago Cubs. Marcus Stroman is going to be going for the Cubs, and always feel like this man's name needs to be said in an old English accent. One Corbin Burns is going to be going 
for the Milwaukee Birds. Your total on this game is 7. With the over, it is anywhere between minus 105, minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 115. Brewers are anywhere between minus 192 and minus $2 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Cubbies, it's anywhere between plus 170 and plus 179. I would need at least a plus 183 to be able to take a shot here on the Cubs. If you're looking at the Brewers' run line, you're actually getting it at a plus 110. I would be looking a little bit more to a plus 115, so this is all going to depend upon how we wind up moving overnight. If we wind up seeing a little bit more of a take up to the Brewers on the run line, I'd be willing to take a shot there. With the Cubs, they wind up opening up more on a plus 175. They've shrunk to a little bit more like a plus 170, but I would anticipate that there's not going to be a lot of money coming in on them. Now, you do take a look at Marcus Stroman, and last season, he did not deserve the record that he wound up having as he wound up posting up a sub-3 ERA, and yet Despite that, in 2021, he winds up getting a 10 and 13 record. So that was not necessarily too terrific. Now, I will say on the road, did give up 12 home runs in our one innings last season. So right around a home run per nine innings was much better at home while he was with the New York Metropolitans. But still, a guy that's able to come out and is able to get the job done. And you do take a look at Corbin Burns, and he has been dominant this year. 25 and two-thirds innings across his four starts, six and two-thirds innings or more in each out of his last three. And in each out of his last three starts, at least eight punch-outs in every one of them while giving up just a combined three walks. So he has been able to do a terrific job. You do take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, and it has been absolutely electric to see what you've been able to get out of Josh Hader, Devin Williams. All these guys have been able to come to the forefront, so that has been good for the team and for the Chicago Cubs. Scott Efrost is someone that you're trusting in for innings. Michael Rucker has been making a couple of appearances out of the bullpen, though. What I will say about the Chicago Cubs is that they are able to keep things relatively consistent. They are a team that, with regards to their offense, has been able to do a solid job. C.A. Suzuki, Nico Horner, both of these guys entered into Saturday. Being right around 295 with Suzuki, four home runs. Has cooled off a little bit since his good early start, but Ian Happ, he's still getting on base. He's sitting above a 300. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of RBI. You've had Jonathan VR do a solid job of being able to reach base. Nick Madrigal has been a little bit up and down after coming off of injury last season. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, it has been like pulling teeth, trying to get guys on base for this team. You do take a look at it, and you didn't have a single guy in the starting lineup with more than five at-bats this season. That was hitting above a 250 in the starting lineup on Saturday. So that is an issue. Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, Castanera, Hunter Renfro, all these guys hitting at 230 or under. You do have Rowdy Tellez who's been able to give you three home runs, and Adamas to his credit does have five home runs, but with that said, as of right now, I'm thinking that we're going to be able to get past that plus 180 for me to be able to get a shot here on the Cubs. I'm going to be looking at a little bit of overnight line movement. I am recording this a little bit earlier since I've got the great Peterson experience on VEASAN as well, so numbers haven't necessarily settled in yet, but I do anticipate a possibility where we wind up getting the Cubs north of a plus 180. I need at least a plus 183, but right now that's where my attention is. We wind up getting a plus 115 on the Brewers run line. Then I'd be able to consider that as well. And I do think that this is a total that set just a little bit too low just because I do think that Stroman going to give up some runs. And Cubs have been relatively solid on offense in a park that is not necessarily overly pitcher friendly. So semi total at 7.3 looking over and in all likelihood, depending on overnight line movement, probably going to be taking a look at the Cubs and north of plus 180. 955, 956 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing off the Arizona the Diamondbacks. Zach Davies is going to be going for the D-backs. And Jordan Nix is going to be on the bump 
For the cards, Cardinals are finding themselves in sizable favorites, anywhere between minus 169 and minus 195. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the snakes, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 156 and plus 167. 7.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. Need at least a plus 152 to take a shot here on the Diamondbacks. And I think the Diamondbacks have a shot of being able to get five wins in their last six games. I'm going to be riding them. I do recognize that Jordan Nix and also Zach Davies, not necessarily the world's most trustworthy of starters who do take a look at Jordan Nix. And it's not the fact that he's been bad. Just said he's not giving you a lot of length. He made two relief appearances of two innings, and in his first two starts, a combined five innings. I do think that they might be able to stretch him out a little bit more here, but at the absolute max, he's going to give you four innings. Meanwhile, Zach Davies, you know that he's going to be able to give you a little bit more length, and take a look at it, and he hasn't been overly bad this year. Giving up three runs or fewer in three out of his four starts. Had a issue giving up the deep ball last season. Wound up giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings. A lot of those wound up coming when the wind was blowing out at Wrigley Field, though. So I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in. And this is a guy that just two years ago wound up having a 273 ERA with the San Diego Padres two seasons ago with the Brewers in 2019, more like a 355. So this guy is capable of being able to deliver some good stuff. Big thing has been dropping the walks. Right now, he's got right around five walks per nine innings. That's not necessarily going to be able to get the job done. And then you do take a look at what you're able to get out of this bullpen of the years and the Diamondbacks and Mark Blanson being on the injured list. That does wind up hurting them, but Joe Manette typically did not wind up going yesterday. Noy Ramirez going 12 pitches. He can conceivably come back in this game as well, Cord, but Martin is able to give you a little bit of length and for the Arizona and the Diamondbacks. No question, this is not a lineup that is doing a great job of being able to reach base as you take a look at the starting lineup on Saturday and you wind up having three guys that wind up getting in at bat in general, that was hitting above a 2-11, and I think that they wound up having something like 11 different players get at least one at-bat, so it's honestly too terrific, but Nick Ahmed has come in. He's now hitting at 368. Once again, very small sample size, but a pair of home runs, he looks like he's a man on a mission. Dalton Varsho has been able to give you four-plus home runs along with Christian Walker, so these guys have been able to supply the boom, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, they've been missing Nolan Arenado the last few days. Arenado, someone who's been able to give you five home runs, hitting above a 300. That's been rock solid for this team. You've got Tommy Edmond, who's hitting a 300 of home runs. Paul Goldschmidt has been able to hit a 280. But past those two guys, nobody else in the starting lineup that left the game on Saturday and a batting average of a 247 or greater. So that's a big issue. You need some of these guys to be able to come on now with the St. Louis Cardinals. Very good bullpen for the team. But Genesis Cabrera currently dealing with a little bit of an ailment. Seems like he may or may not be able to come back on Sundays. A little bit of a question mark. You do have TJ McFarland out there. Nick Wickren is someone that's able to give you some solid innings as well. And then you do have the Woodford and Jake Woodford who wound up only throwing seven pitches on Saturday as well. But that said, I do think that we've run a little bit too lofty, especially with Nolan Arenado currently dealing with a little bit of an injury. So I'm going to be taking a look at the plus price here with the Diamond Max. Won't take anything north of plus 152. And did mind up setting my total at an 8.1. We've seen it with St. Louis out of their last eight home games. Six of them have wound up going over the total. So Gonna be willing to take the seven and a half over, and I'm gonna be willing to take the six. I'm 57, I'm 58 on the betting board. We've got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in a Cincinnati, and they're onto the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is gonna be going for the Rockies, and Riviera San Martin is gonna be on the bump for Cincinnati. The Red Legs are finding themselves at a plus 130 to a plus 136. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rockies, in between minus 145 and minus 155 is what your length, and a half is your total. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. And with the Rockies, I want to saying them as a side minus 182 favorite. At some point, there's going to be value on the red legs. 
That time is not right now. They entered into Saturday a putrid 3-17, and by far the worst team out there in the big leagues, and they won opening day, so they're technically 2-17 and in their last 19 games entering the weekend, and you just take a look at this team, and the bullpen has been a hot mess. Tony Santee and Jeff Hoffman are your long guys, and they don't necessarily provide a lot, and they're probably going to be on call in this game because Revier said Martin has just been getting destroyed. 19 runs given up in 15 and two-thirds innings across four starts this season, and He's given up three home runs. His strikeout to walk rate is right around a 1.5. So things are not going great there. And then you take a look at Kyle Freeland and been off to a little bit of a rough start, 6-1-6 ERA, but this is a guy in Kyle Freeland that has always been able to do a relatively solid job out there at Coors. Last season, did wind up having a 4.83 ERA at home, which is not bad considering Coors Field is so hitter-friendly that it's not even funny. Big thing is being able to control the walks, his walks per nine rate. Last season was right around a three-ish thus far this season. Six walks and 19 innings, nothing great, nothing terrible. And you do take a look at this Colorado Rockies lineup and most of these guys hit right around 50 points higher when they're at home rather than when they are on the road. You've got a pair of guys in Charlie Blackman and Connor Joe that entered into Saturday with a quadrant of home runs. These guys at home hitting above a 300 over the last two seasons. CJ Crone, he's hitting 300. He's been able to give you seven home runs. Randall Gritchick, along with Jose Iglesias, are both offseason acquisitions. They're hitting well above a 300 for this team as well. Then you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds and Joey Votto is lost at the plate. Entered into Saturday 9-66 with as many home runs as myself. Just a hot mess. Jonathan India has been able to hit nearly a three-hour. Kyle Farmer, he's been able to get on base as well, but aside from these two, nobody else in the starting lineup on Saturday was hitting above a 240. Guys like Jay Fraley, Artie Cide Sakino, Tommy Pham, I mean, really, just just put it simply, the entire outfield has not been able to hit for the Cincinnati Red team. And then you take a look at the Rockies' bullpen. They were in the bottom six with regards to bullpen already last season, but looks like these guys are a little bit better this year. They did wind up adding Alex Colmay. I don't think that that's too much of an acquisition, but Daniel Bart has always had much better splits at home rather than on the road. As a matter of fact, his ERA was about five points lower at home last season. You've been able to get some good innings. As someone like a Robert Stevenson, Tyler Kinley is someone they do like out there in the bullpen as well, so... I do wind up making the Colorado Rockies minor, minus 180 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, right now you're finding it in a lot of places at a plus 125. When it came to this Rockies run line, I was willing to lay about a minus 110. So I'm going to reduce the juice. The Reds have covered the lot run line in, I believe, only three of their losses so far this year. So I'm going to be taking a look at that run line of the Colorado Rockies. I do wind up setting this total at a 10.8 as well. I do think that's Ed Martin going to get destroyed at 10.5. I'm looking over. If we wind up getting to 11, that would start to be my buy point on the under, but 10.5 looking over and looking Rockies. Run line, 959-960 on the betting board. You do have the Washington Nationals in the red faceoff against the San Francisco Giants. Alex Cobb is going to be going for the Giants, and Josiah Gray is going to be on the bump for the Nationals. Nationals are finding themselves in between plus 150 and plus 157. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Giants, it's saying we're between minus 166 and minus 180. 7.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, unders minus 120. The overs even on the 7.5. Overs minus 120 and the unders even. When it comes to the spot, I did mind up saying my total line at 8.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. This is a Nationals bullpen that I have a tough time trusting in. Tanner Rainey wound up last season having a north of 70 RA, and right now he is the team's closer. That is not necessarily too terrific. Kyle Finnegan is someone that is really getting up there in age. Steve Ciszek has just not been able to get it done for this team. You've been dealing with an injury. 
Deshaun Doolittle as well. Now, when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, it was the only bullpen in the big leagues last season that wound up having an ERA below three for the entirety of the season. You still have out there so many different guys like Camilio Duval, Jarlon Garcia. They're able to come in and do a solid job. Zach Fidel as well. You do take a look at the Giants, and they're probably going to need a lot of these guys because Alex Cobb, fresh off the injured list, did wind up making a start against the New York Mets on the 19th of April. Wound up going four and a third innings in that one, then winds himself on the injured list. His strikeouts per nine rate ever since he wound up joining the LA Angels about two seasons ago has actually jumped despite the fact that he is at the age of 34. And you take a look at Josiah Gray. He's a young 24-year-old who his strikeouts have been able to jump as well. Four starts this season, 28 punchouts. He's been able to give you at least eight punchouts in each of the last two games and has been able to do a solid job of combined five runs given up across 16 innings in his last three starts. Hard to have a lot of faith in this bullpen, and when it comes to Washington Nationals, it's been a very streaky offense. Things have been going a little bit better for them. In San Francisco, you do have Josh Bell hitting north of the 350. has been absolutely amazing for this team. Nelson Cruz, though, he's hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Cesar Hernandez has been able to do a solid job of reaching base. Juan Soto, north of a 400 on base, so power numbers have not seen men there, only hitting a 245 of them. You take a look at the Giants, and you do have some guys with some tough batting averages right now. Mauricio Dubon, Zappadeo We'll get on base. The catcher spot in general. It's been a little bit of a hot mess, but you've been able to get something out of someone like a Jason Vossler with north of a 350 on base. You deal with a little bit of an injury slash COVID to Mikey Stremski, but you do have Darren Ruff. He's been having a rough year, to say the least. And then the guy that has really been able to get it done for the team, Jock Peterson, has been on the injured list. So you've needed guys like Thario Estrada, Wilmer Flores to be able to step up. Thus far, they've been able to do so. And the Giants, they do a good job of being able to get their home runs when they are on their own field. Brandon Belt getting a home run once every like 13 or so at bats. Should be able to power this team to victory. Did wind up saying the Giants' money line more on a minus 210 because you do have such a strong bullpen. If you're taking a look at the run line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 120. Right now, you're getting a big plus price right around a plus 120 to a plus 125. So I'm going to reduce the juice, take the Giants on the run line, set my total at an 8.1. So I'm going to be looking over as well. 961, 962 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies are throwing face off against the New York Mets. Matt Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Metropolitans. And Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Philadelphia Phillies. Total on this game is 7. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 105. Mets are anywhere between minus 168 and minus 180 favorites. And with the Phillies, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 150 and plus 161. And when it comes to Phils, I needed at least a plus 186 to be able to take a shot here with the Mets. Was willing to lay up to minus 186 on the money line, but take a look at the run line. Finding that at a plus 125, I was willing to take pretty much a plus 110 or greater. This is another spot in which I know that we've had a lot of one-run games this season, but being able to get a plus 125 instead of a minus 170 at the minimum, I'm going to wind up taking that run line because I do have a lot of faith here in Max Scherzer being able to hold it down against Philadelphia Phillies. And this is a Phillies lineup that does have some mashers, even though it's not necessarily hitting for average. You've had Kyle Schwarber be able to give you four home runs thus far this season to Cassianos. He's hitting a 300 Bryce Harper, 265 batting average, very solid on base. Someone who's been dealing with some injuries, Gene Segura, he's been back in the fold for this team as well. But you do take a look at the Mets as well. Got a pair of guys in Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, that have four home runs this season with Alonso 17 RBI hitting at 260. Lindor looking like the guy from Cleveland. He's hitting at 285. Jeff McNeil, Mark Canna, both of these guys are hitting above a 300. So they've been able to do a rock solid job with that regard. And then you do take a look at this Mets bullpen. It can be sometimes a little bit shaky, but Max Scherzer consistently going six plus innings means that you're only going to need to go like two or three guys. Adam Adovino, someone I do like, Drew Smith, Jason Shreve, these guys 
able to get it done before Edwin Diaz. And you do take a look at Max Scherzer. It's not necessarily been vintage Max Scherzer this season, but still, it has been a very, very good form of Max Scherzer. He's been able to make four starts, 25 total innings. 33 strikeouts, one home run, eight walks rendered. So he has certainly been there with a buck 80 ERA. And for Zach Eflin, you know that he's not going to put guys on cheaply. Four starts this season, four walks in 19 and two-thirds innings. Not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy. Not necessarily the world's worst swing and miss guy. Got an ERA that's hovering right around a 320. And I expect it to maybe rise a little bit more, especially with him having some pretty demonstrative home and road splits. You take a look at last season, 302 ERA at home, 512 ERA on the road. As far as the season, sub-1 ERA at home, right around a 5-ish ERA on the road. Sub, a little bit of an issue there, and he does wind up giving up a little bit of hard contact, right around 1.3 home runs per 9 innings. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, even though you pick up right and Corey Knable, all these guys, they still do have a shaky bullpen. Sir Anthony Dominguez could sometimes be a little bit of the role of the dice. They did wind up getting rid of Hector Neris, but still, do have a couple question marks with guys like Bailey Felter and company, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Mets on the run line. I do think that they should be able to get to Eflin and company, and I do think that Max Scherzer is going to be able to pitch one of his best games on Sunday Night Baseball, where we've seen a lot of favorites and a lot of unders be able to prevail in recent years. So, so my total at 6.8, looking under and looking Mets run line, 963-964 on the betting board. You've got the Boston Red Sox, and they're going to be in the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Jordan Lyles is going to be going for the Royals, and Nick Pavetta is going to be on the bump for Boston. Boston is finding themselves in between minus 155 and minus 165 favorites. Meanwhile, with Baltimore, it's anywhere to plus 140 and plus 147. 8-8.5 is your total. On the 8, overs minus 120, and the unders even. On the 8.5, unders minus 120, and the overs even. Skiing a couple straight, plus 105s on both of those as well, if you're looking to be able to get a plus price there. And when it comes to this spot, I did wind up making the Baltimore Orioles a sizable underdog at a plus 173. There's just no taking them, in my opinion. And if you're looking at the run line of the Boston Red Sox, you're right now finding it in a lot of cases right around a plus 105 to a plus 110. And we'll take a shot there. I was willing to lay up to a minus 110. Big reason why Nick Pavetta has been better on the road than he has been at home. Last season, wound up posting up a little bit north of a 5 ERA at home, a 3.75 ERA on the road with over half the amount of home runs per nine innings given up on the road rather than at home. So, seems like he's at his best whenever he is away from Fenway. And got a guy in Jordan Lyles that last year wound up giving up 1.9 home runs per nine innings. Four starts this year, four bombs surrendered in 20 innings. His walks per nine or eight, that is a little bit north of three as well. Doesn't wind up getting a whole lot of swings and misses. And already has two starts out of his four this season. He's given up at least five runs. And now the Baltimore Orioles, if you look at the season sets, the bullpen hasn't been terrible, but I do expect regression for guys like CNL, Perez, Brian Baker, Felix Batista. I think that this is a case of a small sample size zone take to someone that I do like, but really don't have much else. And then when it comes to Boston Red Sox, this is a bullpen that they do wind up losing Garrett Woodlock, who's being stretched out, but Iadakaza Sadamota is something I do like. Phillips Aldez is able to give you multiple innings. Carter Crawford is able to come in for some long relief. He's been incredibly unlucky this season. And you take a look at the Red Sox lineup, and Xander Bogarts hitting above a 375 going into Saturday has been rock solid for the team. Alex Verdugo, Rafael Devers have both been hitting for a trio of homers with Devers hitting about a 285. He's been able to do a nice job now. You do need a couple of these guys to be able to pick it up, and I do think that you're going to see it. Trevor Sori is someone that I do think that pushing him away from Coors Field winds up hurting him quite a bit, but Kike Hernandez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Bobby Dahlbeck, 
All these guys are hitting at 200 or lower. I think that Bradley Jr. might hit below the Mendoza line of 200, but I think the other two are going to be able to step up. And then for the Orioles entering into their game on Saturday, they had 10 home runs as a collective. To put that into perspective, Anthony Rizzo wound up entering into Saturday with nine home runs all by himself. So not necessarily going so great there. Team batting average entering into Saturday, 214 with a 303 on base. And just a little bit shocking to see some of these batting averages as you do have Trey Boom, Mancini, Ode Mateo both hitting right around a 225 along with Anthony Santander. Cedric Mullins, who was so good last season, he's sitting right around 200. My, Ryan Mocastle has been with about a 250 for the team, but really he and Austin the Say is kid who is sitting at 295 entering into Saturday. The only two guys sitting above 232 for the team, Rudan Odor. Guys like Roman Urias, Robinson Torinos, Calvin Gutierrez, they just have not been able to get the job done. And I do think that Pavetta, he is going to be able to get the job done. I do like the Red Sox being able to get to Jordan Lyles and get to him in a big way. And I do think that Boston is going to wind up giving up a few runs of their own. I do think that the Orioles, even though the lineup is certainly far from great, going to be able to bust out with a couple of runs. I do think that Pavetta winds up seeing a little bit of road regression. So, semi-total 9.2 looking over, but I think that the Red Sox win this game by multiple runs. Willing to lay the run line with them and take that plus price. 965-966 on the bang board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be in the road face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. For the Tampa Bay Rays, it is to be determined. It seems as though it's going to be a little bit of a bullpen game. Josh Fleming is going to be a bulk guy. We just don't know if he's going to be starting or if there's going to be an opener for him. And Chris Paddock is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. Currently, no numbers up on this game. Assuming Josh Fleming is either starting this game or being used as a bulk guy, I do wind up setting the race at a minus 123, and I set my total at an 8.5. An 8.5 exactly it would depend upon the juice. Like, if you've got an 8.5 and the under is minus 120, I would take the over at even juice, so just a little bit of context there, but that said, I do take a look at this Minnesota Twins team, and I do like what I'm seeing out of Chris Paddock right now. It's been a little bit up and down for him in his first few starts, but has allowed just one walk and zero home runs in his first 14 and two-thirds innings. He's a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy, but he's not going to necessarily beat himself, and last season actually did a better job on the road than he did at home. During the 2021 season, 405 road ERA, 633 home ERA, which makes no sense because... He is someone that wanted pitching in San Diego last season. Then you take a look at Josh Fleming, and he's made one start, a couple of bulk appearances, and he's yet to go more than three and a third innings in any of them, giving up at least three runs in each out of his last three appearances. So things are not going great for him. you got to figure that someone like a Jalen Beeks Probably going to be seeing quite a few innings for the team as he has yet to allow a run this season in nine and a third innings. He's been able to do a solid job for the team. Andrew Kitcher, Chavi Guerra. These guys have been sought out of the bullpen and the race. Got to figure that they're going to utilize every bullpen piece seemingly possible for the Twins. They're a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to their bullpen. Cole Sands is someone that might wind up seeing some bulk innings. Joe Smith along with Emilio Pagan. These guys are not necessarily too trustworthy out there in the bullpen. And you do take a look at the Minnesota Twins and... The lineup has been able to get going a little bit more. You've got to love the fact that Kyle Garlick on Saturday was able to give you a pair of home runs by Aaron Buxton. He has been absolutely incredible for this team. Has been dealing with a couple of ailments. He wound up not being in the starting lineup on Saturday. But six home runs despite the fact that he's missed seven games this season. Been able to get a good batting average out of Gio Rochelle along with Luis Arias. Both of these guys hitting above a 280. Trevor Larnich has been able to get on base as well. You've got to figure that Ore Palanco along with Carlos Correa are going to be able to get online for the Tampa Bay race. Got a pair of guys in Yandy Diaz, Wanda Franco. They're hitting right around 300 for Franco. 
been able to do a good job of being able to put bat to ball with regards to power. Four home runs this season. Brandon Lau, he does have three home runs, but Lau, you're able to throw in there. Randy Arena along with the other Lau. Josh Lau, all these guys in a 200 or lower. Mike Zanino is hitting more like a one earned, so that is a little bit of an issue. I do think that the Rays going to be able to do a solid job with a bullpen game. It is really where they're at their finest, but going to make them a minus 123 with three some form, so that is going to set the run line very hefty, and then I did want to make him my total in a nap, so eight or lower is certainly going to be looking over. I doubt we wind up getting to a nine, but as long as you wind up having, I would say, minus 105 or better juice on an under of eight and a half, I would be ta- willing to take a look at an under there as well. 967, 968 on the main board. The Houston Astros hit the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman is going to be going for the Jays and Framber Valdez is going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are finding themselves between plus 125 and plus 135. Meanwhile, for Toronto, it is anywhere between minus 142 and minus 150. 7.5 is your total. With the 7.5 over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. Seeing straight 8 out there as well. With the 8 under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. One of saying my total on an 8.3. I'm looking over and with Kevin Gosman. I do think that he is a fairly solid pitcher, but just take a look back to what we wound up seeing post-All-Star break last season. Guy that's had right around a 3-5-ish ERA now has been very dominant this year. About 24 and two-thirds innings with zero walks and zero home runs allowed. That is just absolutely insane, but he has given up nine hits per nine innings as well, so he has been giving up a little bit more contact. Meanwhile, you take a look at Framber Valdez. His walks issues has always been a little bit of something to be concerned about. More than four walks per nine innings last season. He's given up 12 free passes in 20 innings thus far this season, so and it is something that he does need to work on and wound up having just one cataclysmically bad start against the Angels. You take that start out, he's given up a combined two runs over the course of three starts up has been pretty steady there when it comes to the Astros having Ryan Presley out the fold for the bullpen that is a little bit of an issue as now you need to take a look at Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, Parker Mushinsky, guys that you don't necessarily trust in too much and for the Toronto Blue Jays it is a little bit of an up and down bullpen Julian Merriweather has been able to give you some solid innings since coming off of the injured list you did wind up having to use up Jordan Romano along Tim Maza on Saturday though Adam Simber was used but only for nine pitches so should be good to go there and when it comes to Toronto Blue Jays George Springer Got to figure that he wants to lay it on his former team. He's currently hitting a three and has had a very nice series thus far going deep twice in the game that we wound up seeing on Saturday. Boba Shett, he's still been having a little bit of a rough go of it, but you do have Flagger Jr., Lourdes Gurriel hitting between a 285 and a 290. And with Flagger Jr., he's been able to do a solid job being able to give this team six home runs, 16 RBI, and then for the Houston Astros, it's been one of the worst teams with regards to batting average all season long. You got Yoli Gurriel, Kyle Tucker, along with Jeremy Pena, all hitting between a 220 to a 225. Got to figure that they're going to be able to pick it up Alex Bregman. And just a 235, he's been perennially a little bit of a slow starter, but after a rough beginning to the year, Jordan Alvarez now is up to six home runs, hitting a 275. That's something that you'd like to see Chaz McCormick hitting a 290 as well. That said, I do think that this is a spot in which the Blue Jays should be a favorite. Could only set them as a minus 128. I do think that even though Valdez does have his walks issue, he does do a very good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. And with Kevin Gosman, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression to the fact that he's had quite a few balls wind up dying at the warning track. And I do think that Houston going to be able to bust out with their offense. So looking at the over on 7.5, and, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Astros plus price. I was willing to take anything north of a plus 128, 969, 970. Going to be the DK Nation pick as we've got the LA Angels in the road face off against the Chicago White Sox. Dallas Keuchel is going to be on for the Sox. And Michael Lorenzen is going to be on the bump for the Angels. Your total on scheme is 8.5. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the Halos, you're going to be finding them 
They're between minus 107 and minus 110. And I'm also seeing a straight minus 115 out there as well. Meanwhile, with the White Sox, finding them as bad as minus 110, as good as plus 105. DK Nation pick is going to be on the Angels. Wind up setting them as a minus 127 favorite. Now, Michael Lorenzen, he is doing for a little bit of regression. Got a tad bit lucky in his last start against the Cleveland Guardians. But, you know, really, really sinks right now. That'd be Dallas Keuchel, his 9 ERA. 10 innings pitch, 6 walks. He's given up 18 hits. It is not going well for him at all. Michael Lorenzen, it's not been necessarily too much of a strikeout guy. 12 punch outs in 15 and 2 thirds innings, but has been able to do a solid job of being able to strand runners, make pitches when he's needed to. And this is an LA Angels team that they've had to burn through their bullpen a little bit more than they would like to because they did wind up having to have that impromptu bullpen game with Noah Thor Syndergaard being out due to an illness. But still, you have Ryan Tabera in the fold. You've got Rossio Glacius. These guys are able to do a relatively solid job. And for the Angels, what I've been really impressed with is you knew what you were going to be able to get out of Mike Trout and Shoei Otani this season, but Taylor Ward is hitting right around a 400. He wound up having three home runs in that series against Cleveland Guardians. You even even haven't had Anthony Rendon really get online, only hitting at 225, but Tyler Wade, he's hitting at 285. Brandon Marsh just below 300. Joe Adele has been able to give you three or four home runs. Jared Walsh is being able to get on base from the Chicago White Sox. They didn't wind up being able to play four-plus runs yesterday, but prior to that, they had scored four or fewer in pretty much 10 out of their last 12 games. It's been an issue. Adam Engel, Reese McGuire, Josh Harrison, A.J. Pollock, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal, all guys hitting a 210 or lower. Jake Berger's been able to do an okay job of getting on base, but only guy in the starting lineup yesterday that left with a batting average above a 250, Tim Anderson. So that is something that is not so great for this White Sox team. And for the White Sox, their closer, Liam Hendricks, he's been dealing with a little bit of an ailment. Kendall Graben has been a little bit up and down this season. He's been a guy that in the last few years has really come about as a good reliever. Jose Ruiz, Aaron Bummer, these guys are able to give you some okay innings, but that said, Dallas Keuchel, just a guy that I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever. Even at home last season, he wound up having north of a 5 ERA, so DK Nation pick is going to be on the Angels' money line. Willing to lay up to a minus 127 there, and I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. The Angels do have one of the worst bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues. The White Sox have been far from impressive, and they're throwing Dallas Keuchel. Semi-total at a 9.6. Looking over, and the DK Nation pick is the Angels. 971 at 72 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be playing us to the New York Yankees. Luis Severino is going to be going for the Yankees, and Daniel Lynch is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves between plus 165 and plus 179 underdogs. Meanwhile, with the Yankees, it's saying we're between minus 186 and minus 195 with your total 8. The over and the under on 8 are both at minus 110, and when it comes to Royals, I needed at least a plus 165 to be able to take a shot here, and we did wind up getting there. So, I'm going to be taking a look at the Kansas City Royals for Daniel Lynch. He had given up 3 plus runs in 6 straight starts prior to what we wound up seeing here in the middle of April, and his last few starts, a combined 11 innings against the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox. Six hits allowed, no runs. So he has been very dominant there. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression in his first start of the season. He did wind up giving up three home runs. And you saw it in 2021. It was a rough year for him. 7.16 ERA at home compared to a 4.33 on the road, which I always find to be a little bit shocking. His home runs per nine rate last season was right around a 1.3-ish. Then you do take a look at Luis Severino. This is really his first sample size since... I would say about the 2018 season, and thus far, it's been relatively solid. He has given up a grand total of seven runs over the course of 19 innings. The walks per nine rate is hovering right around about a 2.8-ish, so nothing great, nothing terrible. Someone that if you wind up going back to that 
2018 season. Did wind up having some struggles on the road, though. A 399 road ERA compared to a 274 at home was dominant at Yankee Stadium. Meanwhile, on the road, opponents wound up hitting about 40 points higher against them, and this is a Yankees team that they've been able to do a good job of being able to supply the boom. Anthony Rizzo entered into Saturday with nine home runs. He has been able to do a great job, hitting a 285 with a 400 on base. DJ turned it up LeMayu. He's hitting a 325 and Aaron X, the much maligned Aaron X. He's been able to hit 275. His air can Falefa has been able to do a good job of being able to get online, being able to get on base, but Glaber Torres, Josh Donaldson are both hitting below a 220. Joey Gallo has been a big giant waste of money. Two home runs and 60 at-bats, hitting a buck 53 is just unacceptable, and for the Royals, what's even more unacceptable, Carlos Santana hitting a buck 20, and the second half of the year last year is one of the worst hitters in all of baseball. You've had Kyle Isabel be able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. He and Andrew Benatendi were the only two guys in the starting lineup that were hitting above a 236 entering into Saturday as Nicky Lopez is hitting a 236. You've seen Bobby Witt Jr., Witt Merrifield, you're even able to throw in there at Oliveras. All guys are currently hitting a 215 or lower for the scene, but what you do like about the Royals is that their bullpen is rock solid. Josh Shamout is one of the best closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. You've got a pair of guys are able to get the ball to him. And Scott Barlow, Jake Brents, who's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, is one of those guys as well. But now Dylan Coleman winds up taking his place. And for the Yankees, this is a top five bullpen with regards to ERA in their own right. Lucas Lutke is able to give you some good innings. Michael King is able to come in, give you multiple innings, do a solid job there. Wandy Peralta has been able to do a solid job since he wound up giving up those walks to the Blue Jays. Aroldis Chapman has looked better. Miguel Castro is able to come in and is able to hold down the fort. So you do have some redeeming qualities with both of these teams. And I do think that both of these starters going to get it around just a little bit here. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2. I do think that regression is coming in for Lynch, but Severino, not necessarily the same pitcher on the road as he is at home. So looking over, needed at least a plus 165 to take a shot here on the Royals and got there as well. So looking Royals and looking over. 973, 974 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians at the road face off against the Oakland A's. James Caprillion is going to be going for the A's, and Tristan McKenzie is going to be on the bump for Cleveland. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and seeing as good as even money with the Guardians. Find them anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125 with the A's. You're finding them as good as a plus 105, as bad as a minus 105. And I do wind up saying the Cleveland Guardians at a plus 106 in this spot. So we just need to get up a mere one stinking penny. If you're taking a look at the run line, by the way, right now you're finding the Guardians anywhere between a plus 140 to a plus 145. And this would be a case in which if we wind up seeing a minus 150 to a minus 155 run line of plus one and a half with the Oakland A's, because right now I'm seeing between plus a run and a half at minus 155-ish, I'd be willing to take a shot there. I'm doing this as numbers are just coming out, so we're going to wait for a little bit of line movement. And hey, if we wind up getting the Guardians at a minus 105, I'd be willing to nibble there. But that said, I'm anticipating us being able to get a little bit north of a plus 105 here on the Oakland A's, and that'll be my shot to be able to back James Caprillion, who last season was very solid for this team. He did wind up making a grand total of about 20 or so starts. Someone that does wind up giving up a little bit of our contact for his career. He's given up right around 1.7 home runs for nine innings, but at a 4.070 ERA last season, was able to do a relatively solid job in Oakland, posting up right around a 3.27 ERA last season compared to a 4.82 on the road. At home, gave up seven home runs over the course of 57 and two-thirds innings, and certainly get a fly. Opponents wound up hitting at 2.21 off of him, and his strikeouts per nine rate right around nine and a half. Now, with being injured, you've got to figure that he's going to be helped back a little bit more, so that means that he's probably only going to pitch like three or four innings. That means that it's going to be all hands on deck. A.J. Puck is able to give you multiple innings. Justin Grimm, you got to figure, 
is going to be on call as well as Kirby Seed. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Guardians, and it is a relatively solid bullpen. I know that some of these guys have been a little bit up and down this year, but Trevor Steven entering into the weekend had yet to give up an earned run this season. Sam Ente just is able to lend a little bit of length. And for Tristan McKenzie, big thing for him is being able to reduce the walks. Last year in the first half of the season, he was giving up over six walks per nine innings, and thus far this season, six walks rendered in 17 innings. That is a little bit worrisome, but he did wind up coming off of a start against the Angels, which he did wind up giving up four runs, did not wind up giving up any walks, so swing and miss stuff is still there. 17 punch outs and 17 innings thus far this season and for the Cleveland Guardians it has been all about Jose Ramirez this season he has been able to do an amazing job being able to give this team north of 20 RBI he's been able to go deep 6 times hitting above a 300 Stephen Kwan is back in the fold after he wound up having a hot start and came back on Saturday with a multi-hit game so he's still hitting right around 350 along with Andre Semenes now guys like Austin Edges Ernie Clement Oscar Mercado they're hitting below the mid-outs line of 200 but certainly have some matches here for the Guardians and for the Oakland A's Sheldon Noisy has been hitting well above a 300 for this team which is big because he along with Tony Kemp were the only two guys that wound up seeing an at-bat yesterday that were hitting above a 235 Elvis Sanders along with Christian Pache. They're out there a little bit more for their gloves at this point. Billy McKinney has been a hot mess for this team as well. So I do take a look at this spot. I'd be willing to lay it with the Guardians if we wind up getting down to more like a minus 105-ish. With that said, with the Oakland A's, right now I'm seeing that about a plus 105. I need at least a plus 106 to be able to get there, but I do think that we're going to be able to see that penny of movement. So I'm most likely going to be on the Oakland A's pen spawn. How this winds up moving overnight. And when it comes to total, I do wind up setting it at a 7.1. It's been an A's team that has been one of the most rough with regards to being able to generate runs going into Saturday. They had scored two runs or fewer in seven out of their last ten games, and yet we're five and five in them, so they're very used to playing these lower-scoring games. So looking under, and I'm most likely going to be taking a look at a plus price here with Oakland, 975-976 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners hit the red face off against the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Fishies, and you've got Logan Gilbert, who's going to be on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's finding themselves as a slight underdog. Any between even money and plus 106. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Miami, any between minus 114 and minus 120 is your price. 7 is your total. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. When it comes to El Contra, he has been incredibly impressive, especially at home, but I did wind up making it to where I could only lay up to a minus 104 with him. So, now that we've got a plus 105, plus 106 here with the Seattle Mariners, I'm willing to take that very small plus price. We were mentioning it with our good friend Curtis Rogers. How impressive has Logan Gilbert been? Four starts, he's got a 0.40 ERA. Now, I do think that this is going to go up just a tad because, well, there's no place for it to go other than up, and you do take a look at what Logan Gilbert wound up doing in 2021 at more like a 4.68 ERA, but Omen Road splits were relatively equal. He gave up seven bombs in 55 innings. Walks per nine rate was right around about a 2.6-ish, with opponents hitting 30 points lower off of him on the road rather than at home, so he was rock solid, and for Sandy Alcantara, this guy has just always been better at home than he has been on the road last year at 241. Home ERA, a 4.01 road ERA, giving up just eight bombs at 104 and two-thirds innings. When he was at home, opponents wound up hitting about 49 points lower off of him as well. Both of these bullpens are relatively solid as well. Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender for the Miami Marlins have been able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, Drew's second rider is good for the Seattle Mariners, Diego Castillo. Sometimes can leave you holding your breath, but you've also got Paul Sewell now back at the fold for the team as well. Anthony Machevich has been able to do a solid job and for the Seattle Mariners, Mitch Hanniger. Looks like he is injured once again, but you got Ty France, J.P. Crawford, both hitting above a 330. 
Lewis Torrance, Tom Murphy, these two catchers are able to play for this team. And you got to figure the positive progression is going to be taking over for Julio Rodriguez, who just got so unlucky at the beginning of part of the season. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, Jorge Soler, Miguel Rojas, along with Avicio Garcia, they're all hitting a 200 or lower now. I do like what I'm seeing now out of AC Aguiar, 350 on base. He's been able to keep the line moving a little bit more. Garrett Cooper is hitting north of a 255 as well. And you have had AC Sanchez along Jazz Chislam. These guys wound up entering into Saturday with a combined seven home runs. Both were out of the fold, though, so a little bit interesting there. I do think that Seattle buying Logan Gilbert should be a relative pick here, so being able to get a plus price on them, that is appealing to me. When it comes to this total, I do end up setting it at a 6.3. Both of these guys are shoving Miami, one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in the big league, so I'm looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Seattle Banners. 977, 978 on the bang board. It is the Atlanta Braves, and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against the Walker Texas Rangers. Taylor Hearn is going to be going for the Walker Texas Rangers. And right now, the betting board says to be determined for the Atlanta Braves. Right now on ESPN, I'm seeing Max Freed. If it is Freed versus Taylor Hearn, I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus one six here with the Atlanta Braves. Now, if it is some sort of a bullpen game for the Atlanta Braves, because right now, just a complete and utter unknown as to what we're going to be getting out of the Atlanta Braves. This price would certainly drop, but Taylor Hearn is someone that you really can't trust in too much. A 747 ERA, a Boeing 747 ERA at that. His Fox per 9 rate is right around a 4-ish, and just take a look at it. He's given up 24 hits in 15 and 2 thirds innings. He's given up at least 5 hits in all 4 of his starts, going 5 innings or fewer in all of them. He's given up a combined 3 home runs in the last 2 starts. Swing and miss stuff hasn't been bad. 18 punch heads in 15 and 2 thirds innings, but you get a lot more opportunities to get strikeouts when you wind up walking and giving up a lot of hits. And then you take a look at Max Fried. We were talking about it with Ben Wilson on the podcast yesterday. Had a cataclysmically bad first two starts, giving up a combined eight runs in those last two starts. A combined 13 innings against the Dodgers and the Cubs. He's given up a combined one run, zero walks in that time span. So he's been able to do an absolutely terrific job there. And he's backed up by one of the best lineups that you're going to find out there in the big leagues, Ozzie Albies. He entered into Saturday having hit six home runs this season along with Austin Riley. And Riley hitting a 282 with regards to batting average. Matt Olson, a 400 on base for the team. You now have Ronald Acuna back in the fold as well. Adam Duvall's been off to a little bit of a rough start, but you know that he's going to be able to get right. Dansby Swanson seems to be turning it around again. And for the Texas Rangers, you do take a look at this lineup and you've got Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, along with Cole Callen. You're able to throw in there. Willie Callen as well. All guys hitting a 205 or lower for the team. Andy Abanias has been able to give you a couple solid at-bats. And for Garcia, he has been able to get the team four home runs. Corey Seager sitting a 255, three home runs. You expect a little bit more out of him. Not necessarily a bad start, but when it comes to Rangers, a bottom three bullpen in the American Leagues in terms of ERA. Matt Bush, not someone that you necessarily want to be trusting in too much. Joe Barlow is someone that I really liked last season. He's been able to do an okay job this season, but you need more out of guys like Matt Moore. And for the Atlanta Braves, you got guys like A.J. Minter, Tyler Madzik. They're able to come in, do the job. Jesse Chavez is capable of giving you multiple innings along with Colin McHugh if you wind up having a case in which Max Freed cannot wind up going. If it is Freed versus Taylor Hearn, one lay really up to a minus 160 with the Atlanta Braves that would be setting my total at an 8.3. So, eight or lower will be looking over eight and a half or higher to the under. And if it is a Braves bullpen game, would be setting the Braves probably at more like a minus 120-ish, but that depends a little bit more on the circumstances. So, if we don't wind up seeing Freed, I will have that updated in the AM on the spreadsheet. And 
the last game on the betting board is 979-980 on the betting board, the LA Dodgers. We're going to be playing OC Detroit Tigers. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Tigres. And you got Walker Bueller on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers anywhere between minus 240 and minus 265 favorites. Meanwhile, with Eduardo Rodriguez and company, is anywhere between plus 210 and plus 220. 7.5 is your total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I need at least a plus 225 to be able to take a shot here on the Tigers. I did what I'm saying my total at an 8. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And when it comes to the run line of the Dodgers, finding it at a minus 110. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 125 here. So I'm going to be looking at that Dodgers run line. You take a look at Eduardo Rodriguez. He wound up having a fielding independent and an ERA that did not match up. It showed that he was really the most unlucky pitcher in the big leagues last season. That's what we thought. But now he's given up at least three runs in each out of his first four starts. Here with the Tigers giving up at least one home run in each out of his last three. When he wound up playing a full season in 2019, led the American League in walks. Thus far this season, eight walks in 19 and two-thirds innings. So that's an issue for Walker Buehler. They wind up having a less than stellar September last season, but you do take a look at what he's been able to do in his last few starts. And he's been chalking at three runs or fewer given up in his first four starts of the season, coming off of a complete game in which he punched out 10 against the Arizona Diamondbacks, giving up just three itself. It is against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but hey, they been on a little bit of a winning tear as well. And take a look at this Dodgers lineup, and it is the Death Star. You've got Freddie Freeman hitting above a three trio of home runs for him. Cody Bellinger, he's been a little bit rough with the guards batting average, but four home runs from him. Gavin Lux has north of a 350 on base. Chris Taylor is hitting nearly a 300. Mookie Betts, slow start to the year for him. You know that he and Max Muncy is also off to a slow start. Going to be able to pick it up along Justin Turner down for one and for the Detroit Tigers. You do have Robbie Grossman, Austin Meadows, a pair of guys that entered into Saturday were hitting at least a 300 for this team. That's something that you do like, but Spencer Torkelson, only guy in the lineup entering into Saturday that had multiple home runs for this team with three. Avi Bias is back in the fold. That's going to be able to help them out a little bit. But Jamie or Candelario, Jonathan Scope, both of these guys are hanging below the Mendoza line of 200. And for the Dodgers, got a very dominant bullpen. Phil Bickford is able to do absolutely amazing work for this team. Craig Kimbrell, Reyes Maranta. I like these guys. They've been able to an injury to a Blake Tryon, but Danny Hudson is back in the fold for this team. And then you do take a look at the Detroit Tigers. And bullpen is not bad. They wind up picking up Bull Vest in the offseason. Andrew Chafin is fresh off the injured list. Alex Lang, along with Gregory Soto, are able to give you some solid innings as well. So I do mind up saying my total at an eight. I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to get to the Detroit Tigers in this spot. And Eduardo Rodriguez, I think that it is being shown that maybe he wasn't as unlucky as we thought he was last season. I'm willing to take a look at an over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Dodgers minus 110 run line, laying a run in F, and that wraps things up. For the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, a big thanks to Curtis Rogers with 710 Seattle Sports and does Seattle Mariners bring post-game work. You join me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Jarenner41. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean it does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like here on this podcast. Find that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.